Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Derek Ether's back. Derek, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Um, Derek, it's been a while since Derek was here, but we used to do podcasts together all the time. And today we're going to talk about something Derek's been working on in his role at Atlassian as a principal solutions engineer. We're also going to talk about what that actually means. But the main topic of today is value stream management. So that's what we're going to be getting into shortly. Uh, but first, would you mind explaining to these kind people what you do all day long? Uh, at Atlassian, as a principal solutions engineer, I partner with our largest customers, executives, understand what their problems are and help them solve it through process and tools. Okay. And one of the process slash tools that you've been using is value stream management. So um, we're going to compare it in a moment to value stream mapping, but what is value stream management? So value stream management is the means of connecting ideas to value realization. And so okay. you're going to integrate everything in your DevOps tool chain. Uh, so you gain end-to-end -end visibility uh, of your system of delivery. Okay. Before we started the podcast, Eric and I were talking about, you know, what this actually means. And one way he helped me understand it was, if you think about project management, that is from when the decision is made, we're going to do the thing until you put it in somebody's hands and eventually support it. But you're talking about everything on the other side of the decision as well now, right? From the, somebody Correct. has an idea in the shower until it's in somebody's hands. Correct. From the idea to the point that you get value or your customer gets value from that idea. Okay. Everything in between, everything that's valuable and not valuable and not valuable, but necessary, all of okay. it. So I just want to ask this, are there different places where value shows up? Because I'm thinking there's like value to the person who buys it or uses it, but there might be value to the team, value to the organization, right. different pockets of stuff. So it always comes back to who is the customer. The customer okay. or the consumer can be the teams inside the system, the overall system. Okay. It could be your customer that actually pays you money, uh, and then you get a return on your investment okay. of capital, which is paying for your people, paying for the tools to okay. provide value to the customer. And it could be both, right? I mean, you could, could have be both. Okay, cool. That would be um, ideal, wouldn't it? It would. Um, so why do people want to do this? Like, what is the is the is What do they get out of it? Well, in times of... Uh, of scarcity, you know, when money is tight and you're trying to do more with less, then people stop thinking more about that traditional triple constraint of, you know, time, scope, and budget and right. thinking more like the things that we're investing in are our customers actually getting value from that. And okay. so instead of focusing so much of, again, keeping things within these constraints, we're asking ourselves, does this provide value? And if it does not provide value or the things that we're doing that contributes to that, if all those things or some of those things don't provide value to the delivery, then it's an opportunity to improve that. Okay. Now, am I correct in assuming that a lot of organizations like to use the word value, but don't really know what the hell it means to them? Certainly. Okay. So, just the same, I mean, yeah. that's something that this would help them kind of suss out, right? Like, how do they actually understand or measure value? Correct. And when dealing with customers, that's one of the first questions we lead with is how do okay. you define value? And we, we call it a, va a value driver exercise where we're asking, what is the biggest pain point? What problems are you trying to solve? What do you find valuable? And we 
taper or customize everything else relative to that. That is, if it doesn't provide, so if you're using a product or a solution, yeah. if there are capabilities within the solution that don't provide value, mm -hmm. then you disable it, you hide it from view because it's just a distraction at that point. And that's a, okay. it's an, an exercise. And so, yeah. So, so it's I want to ask another question. This is like going in the opposite direction of where I intended, but um, I'm, I'm thinking that that conversation would lead people to have to come to grips with the fact that either like sometimes they don't really know what the company mission is right. or they don't know why a particular thing, how it speaks to the company's mission. It's just there because people want it to happen, but nobody can explain the reason it has to happen other than we spent a bunch of money on it already. Right. Um, and these are boxes that people often don't like to open. True, but if you want to get better, if you want to improve, and again, if you want to be successful, then you have to answer these complicated, uncomfortable questions. Okay. All right. So this, um, the activity of, of going through or adopting this type of management, that's going to come from the top level. I'm assuming that it's not going to be like, I think a team's going to decide they want to do it. Correct. Because otherwise you're, we're trying to optimize the system as a whole, not have this local optimization of, you can have this super awesome team, but if it's a well-oiled machine, but it's too low in the organization, you're never going to realize. Okay. The, again, the value of that improvement, unless you elevate it higher in the organization. Okay. So as we talk to this, if people are listening, I'm trying to think of ways like they can tie it back to their work. So mm -hmm. if I'm mid-level manager listening to this podcast, it sounds like a really good idea or somebody in the PMO, then I would want to pitch this to C-level or, or somebody at the executive level to try to see if they grab onto it and they also see how this could be a really good thing for the company to take off. Yeah. Depending on what level you are in the organization, just start you know, we've all, or some have talked about the five whys. Yep. You know, and if we just ask why, start with that. And it doesn't matter what level in the organization you are. If you ask, why are we building this? Why are yeah. we investing this? Why are we spending capital on this time money? Why? Well, because of this. And you should see it ladder up within the organization to help you. Granted, you're going to the why is should be leading you to providing customer value, but that customer value translates to having you accomplish your organizational mission. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so when Derek suggested the idea, one of the first questions I had was, how is this different than value stream mapping? Right. Um, and we started to talk about that, but I want to be cognizant of the fact that even though there's probably people listening who have heard people say the words value stream mapping, they might not know what it is. So how do you explain value stream mapping to somebody who's not familiar with it at all? So value stream mapping is a is part of value stream management. And so let's okay. take a step back. Let's look back in traditional project management through that lens and we'll compare it to that. Okay. The, the compare and the contrast from that. So within portfolio management, there are all these things that are associated with portfolio management. Mm -hmm. You've got resource management, risk management, product time management, all the different type of managements. Right. So value stream management is similar in that, okay. but we're going to look through the lens of value. Okay. And then when you do the value stream map, so let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. A value stream uh, is all the steps, as I, know, I said earlier, that are, value-added and non-value-add steps that mm -hmm. are part of your overall process that go 
takes your idea and puts it in the hands of your customer, providing okay. value to them. So that value stream map helps you have clarity around your system of delivery and everything okay. that goes into taking an idea and putting it in the hands of your customer. Okay. And that map will then look at, will expose areas of improvement or possible improvement so that you okay. can create a more optimal system or a way that you could provide greater value to your customer in a short period of time for less money, that type of thing. Okay, so I want to try to offer like a really simple example, and I'm just <laughs> thinking through it in my head, so I'm not sure it's going to work. Sure. But let's say I own a company that makes cherry pies. Um, the way that I was taught to think about this is you start at the very last step, which is the customer writes and says, this pie was freaking amazing, send me a thousand. And we still be, what happens before that? What happens before that? What happens before that? And, and to okay. build kind of the spine of the thing, we keep asking what happens before that all the way back to the very, very beginning, which is not just we mix the ingredients, but also we set up the workspace. We get the ingredients to make the pie. We have a facility to build the pie and like all that, all the steps, uh -huh. not just where a project manager starts, which is we start building. Right. And even before that. So. This person wrote and said, this is an awesome cherry pie. How did they know that? Well, it's because the marketing team was sending out emails or radio advertisements or something like that. And so even before, think of before you even a pro, even before you have a product that you can put in the hands of a customer for them to surprise right. and delight them, you can send communication out that doesn't cost you anything really. To let them and, know they're about to be delighted. Exactly. Okay. So that's actually, part... I have a really great example of that. So okay. I am, uh, there's a, a company called Mule Resophonic and I ordered a guitar and it takes like months and months and months to get it because they build them by hand and they're building mine right now. And the guy is sending me pictures of the guitar every day to show me how it's progressing. Nice. So mm -hmm. that is further making me like more like, oh my God, send it to me now. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's a nice thing. It's adding value for me as a customer. It's part of the step along the way. Right. And they may have built that into their process mm -hmm. because they actually reached out to customers. So this is when we're having this value conversation. We should actually be talking with our customers and asking them, what is it that they find valuable? And okay. as part of their history, they may have done a survey or interacted directly with their customers that have the guitars in their hands. And go, what do you think? What? you know? And the customer, I said, you know what? You know, I would have loved to have seen pictures yeah. of you building this guitar. That would have been awesome because, you know, it's worth it. It was worth the wait, but wow, that would have been awesome. They're like, that's a great idea. That'll provide some indirect value to the customer while they're waiting for the yeah, guitar. Yeah, it gets you like more excited about it. Okay. And, and so they may they have baked that into the process. They may have had an idea. Uh, they had a hypothesis that would say, we bet we can surprise and delight our customers even more if we would send yeah. them pictures along the way. And then what they would do is they would bake that into their process, their value yeah. stream. And then what they would do is send out those photos. They would run a test, send some photos, some not, and then they'd survey. Customer set there was thing. Difference. Okay. The, the reason that I wanted to ask about this is because I run into a lot of people who, when we talk about building software, for them, the activities of like setting up the workspace, setting up the desk, that's not something they consider to be valuable. They don't want to put it on the board and the shadows are from the cat, sorry. <laughs> and to me, um, setting up my workspace is part of 
creating my ability to give you the thing you want. So I would argue that that is absolutely a value adding activity. And that would go on, on this as well, right? It, yeah, yes. Okay. So again, it could be value add, non-value add, which is just waste. And so mm-hmm. when you're doing that value stream map, you're looking at each step of your process that you talked about, like creating your space. You're like, mm-hmm. does will the customer get direct value from this? Is it completely wasteful? Or is it something we still need to do? Okay. And, so there is so, stuff you have to do, even though it's not going to delight the customer. It's right. part of like cleaning up after you bake the pie. You have to do that. Right. But in the overall grand scheme of things, it contributes uh, to the value of the customer. Or if it doesn't contribute value to the customer, again, you still got to do it. Okay. Um, and once we have this kind of spine, then we're going to look at it as a team and try to find pain points, points of joy, opportunities for collaboration, bottlenecks, things like that, right? Correct. Because we're not going to discount, you know, the, remember the triple constraint. When we're right. talking about surprise and delight our customer, we have a couple different levers we can pull or different, you know, and one of them would be, well, can we surprise and delight them even more? Well, how would we do that? Well, you can make a better pie. That'd be one thing. Uh, okay. Maybe you could lower the cost of the pie. Maybe you could put it in their hands faster. And so putting it, so what I mean by that is there's, we call them operational efficiencies. Okay. And when, by looking at that value stream map, you look at areas of possible improvement. So part of the value stream mapping exercise is every step of your process, you have to be able to put quantifiable measurements in place okay. to measure that thing that you're doing sure to 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 see how would i improve this okay so that could be how long does it take from when they order the coffee in starbucks until they get the coffee mm-hmm. right how can we make that experience or waiting in line in an amusement park how do we make that experience less painful right if somebody? you can't shorten the time to get from getting in line to getting on the road mm-hmm. how can you distract them along the way, keep them entertained, that type of thing. Because again, you do your best. So you were still focusing on that customer. Yeah. Again, if you can't shorten that lead time, then you have to think of some other thing that we can. Or we if can you've got to wait seven months to get the guitar, send them pictures of the guitar while go. it's being built. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are ways of, I guess you, in one way you could look at it as distraction, but in another way it is, prepping them for the joy they're about to receive from the thing they're eventually going to get, getting on the ride, eating the pie, playing the guitar, whatever it is. Okay. So we create this value stream map. Mm -hmm. We find the different areas we want to tune up and and that's like a normal activity, but how does that relate to value stream management? Because you said it's part of it, right? So value stream management is everything. So again, when we think of portfolio (laughs) management, so just to think of this one, so that was one process flow. So value stream okay. management is everything. And we're talking about everything uh, within your, uh, it's integrating everything within your DevOps tool chain. I say DevOps tool chain, meaning anything from ideation to development to operations and and all the different systems and people. So marketing, HR, sales. Oh, you're nailing it. So support, there's, a, there's a thread. Shipping. Yes. Okay. So it'll transcend the entire organization. They'll follow a thread. We'll call that a value stream. And there okay. will be contributing actors 
that okay. again will come from HR and, and finance and everybody else are contributing to this. Okay. And each time we're looking at areas of possible improvement on whatever it is. If we have a new idea of something that will surprise and delight our customer, well, then we're going to look at some standard patterns that we might have already established within the organization. Okay. And using value stream management, we're going to say, okay, what are all the things we need to do from having this great idea into putting it in the hands of our customers? Okay. And, and, and again, mapping out a pattern, yeah. you may follow that pattern. You might build on that pattern, deviate from that pattern. But my point is, it starts with the end in mind. Yeah. And seeing and, and the then, whole and to your point and working all the way back to the beginning from that idea. And then you'll say, well, what are all the things that we need to do? Okay. So is it, I'm trying to like think about it in my head and, I, and I'm with what you just said, I'm thinking there is probably a value stream map for the production of the thing we're going to ship the pie. Mm -hmm. There might be another value stream map created by the salespeople who sell the pie. And, yes. and, I mean, it is all one big system, but initially these different groups will think about them as different things, different streams of effort. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about layering them all together. So we're seeing the stack of all the different value stream maps that are part of us getting pie to be. Yes. So okay. th that's actually a great way of putting it. There's a network of teams that are working together for a common goal. And okay. you're right. And if you look at the tippity top top of the organization, people are going to use different. You might hear people using different terms, one being operational value streams or developmental value streams. Okay. Like, I'll say like the operational value stream would be, I have an organization, big organization, and we do different things. Maybe we offer the example, let's go with the, with the pies. Okay. Part of our organization, we produce pies. We sell pies. Mm -hmm. We also sell cookbooks. Uh, we provide cooking lessons. You know, there might be different ways in which we can surprise and delight. Customized pies, stuff like right, that. Right, something to different markets. Okay. But they're all within a common thread within our organization. We help deliver these this value to these different market segments. But they're all part of, now each one of those, uh, again, I will call those operational value streams. These are external mechanisms for us to deliver value to a customer and us being paid for that. Okay. The developmental value streams are all those layers below that in the organization from the top exposed to the customer down to the different, again, marketing, finance, sure. you know, uh, maybe uh, manufacturing mm -hmm. or engineering. You know, there may be different ways of, in which we create these things and they would follow a different unique value stream. We all can have an idea. Right. Maybe they originate from one person or many people within the organization, but my point is they follow their different path to get to a customer. Okay. And so, you, but, and sometimes within engineering, I'm sorry, within software development, we'll use yeah. that as an example, you'll hear terms like a portfolio Kanban, mm -hmm. you know, that is a high level from a portfolio perspective. There might be an enterprise Kanban, which actually is the top level value stream. This talks about, we have ideas. We're going to verify if we have budget to look at these ideas, test these ideas, and then get these ideas out to out the door. But at each step of that high level enterprise Kanban, right, it drops down to lower and lower and lower levels to the point that it touches 
the actual people that are actually creating these things. Okay. So, and this is a big part of this is visualizing the work as well, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I want to, I'm going to just say this back and make sure that it's super clear for everybody. So really simple example, software team, we have designers, developers, and testers in a traditional organization. They're completely siloed when you put them together and, and they see how the work that they do impacts one another, they map that out, they visualize it, they can start to see how they affect one another. And then we can go beyond that and start to look at marketing and sales and see how all these, you said a, a network of teams, I think you said, mm -hmm. um, how these different teams that are all part of this one larger effort are impacting one another. Right. We and get then it. we go and a then. level above, we've got all the different things the company's doing at this like meta portfolio level or enterprise level, all the different things that are happening and we can drill down where we need to and we get traceability all the way back up to the strategic level of why does this company exist in the first place? Yes. And we can make better choices about how we invest, how we place bets, things like that. Yes. The, the, a failure, a fail, a failure pattern that I okay. see is these organizations that don't connect strategy to execution. What they do is they have what you described as these silos yeah. where people are so impressed with themselves on how efficient they are and how good they are at their job. And they lose sight that <clears throat> the reason why they're there is for the customer yeah. and, and, and to help this organization accomplish its mission. And, and again, so when they start to work together, this is why we wind up with cross-functional teams because then we have much greater empathy for one another yeah. and, and we realign them to always keep the customer in mind. You always ask yourself, you know, what was the, the, the saying? Remember the, the fellow with that, uh, it, it might be a complete bogus story, but there was a, Kennedy was touring NASA was the story. And the guy, comes, this guy was sweeping the floor. Yeah. Sweeping the floor. He goes, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. That's what we're talking about here. His okay. job was sweeping the floor, but he, he was contributing to help put a man on the moon. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about is it doesn't matter what your role is within your organization. You're here to help surprise and delight. Which is incredibly empowering. If you're, I mean, for somebody to, to be able to look at their role that way um, is, is a massive win. If they can see how they fit within the overall system and how they contribute, like what their individual activities do to make it possible to put somebody on the moon or get the pie into somebody's hands. That's huge. Yep. Imagine, have, have you ever met an engineer who worked super, super hard on something and it never saw the light of day? They never, they never delivered the actual thing they were working on. Or they never got to see the joy it brings to a but customer. They never got to actually, right. You never got to put it in the hands of your customer. I yeah. think that would be again, by realigning your organization, sometimes you do have to realign your organization to align more around products and around value streams. So with, with, the two th with that and something you said a few minutes ago, I want to ask one other question about this that's maybe sort of the, the, the sharp edge of the sword that people may not want. Um, I have been a part of a number of organizations where, where for whatever reason, the IT department got to a place where they seemed to be walking around believing that the company existed for their benefit. Like right. IT ran everything because mm -hmm. we'll take your email away. We won't have backups. Nothing's going to happen without mm -hmm. us. And 
I would be at these companies thinking like, you don't understand that we're actually just the janitors. Like that's all, all we are, but mm -hmm. it, it could help reset the power, the political power structure of an organization or help people understand like, maybe we're not the only reason the lights are on in this place. I, I've seen that as well. Yeah, that you know, must I've, be I've worked <laughs> in an organization the where they were, we called them, they were called towers, literally you know, strange okay. that they called them that, but there was the product that was the business tower and the engineering tower. Mm -hmm. And they literally had their own vice presidents. They had their own uh, leadership hierarchy. And it was interesting because you're like, at the end of the day, we need both sides of this organization. And again, until you put it on its side yeah. and recognize that we need to work together, get them all together, working at the same time towards the same goal that the organization or the most senior leadership in the organization is the first time they can have real transparency on what's happening within the organization. Okay. Because otherwise people are just building their little kingdoms. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask one more question about this. And I want to talk about the, the visualization of it. When you're doing this with people, like who's in the room? Do you need like a massive wall space? Or are you doing this in Miro? Like how is it, how are you visualizing it and who's present when that's being done? Go with what you got. So okay. I, I found that back in the day, <laughs> yeah, the clearly the best thing I ever used were just stickies on a wall. Back in the, the day when people were in an office building together. Right. I mean, because, okay. because there was no friction. There's low friction, low overhead. And who would you want in the room back then? What was that? Who would be in the room with you back then? Everyone that we, well. Like president, the highest the line level workers. Go, we would, it would depend on who you're trying to improve, okay. but ideally for an organization, you want the most senior leadership in the room to I, help you understand. You would have, and clearly their, their attention span was this big, but yeah. the higher you went in the organization, the, the shorter their attention span. So, okay. but you did need to understand starting with, starting with this organization, what do you, what do you see value? And is it transparency, predictability? You know, what what is it that you see value in? Now we understand okay. the products and services you might deliver, but sure. internally. And from there going down and understanding, okay, great. What's your process? From if this is your product or service that you are delivering, if we can understand that and working our way back to the beginning, yeah. what is your process? And again, when you're talking super high level organization. You know, they're going to like, oh, we've got these five things. This is what we do. Yeah. I got this idea. I got an annual funding plan. You know, that's what I they burp do. in the shower. I tell Jim he makes it happen. That's it. Yeah. And that might be it. But what it, your job is to then double click and, and right. then link each one of these big sticky notes down to one, two, five, ten sticky notes that are. That's just that next layer down and see how far you can decompose it until you get to the person that's actually doing the work because okay. there are going to be multiple layers of management in there. So there's a part of me that's thinking if I was doing this, I would want to start out at the lowest level and build all those and then put them together and show them to the stakeholder and senior level person and talk about it. And there's another part of me that thinks, no, we should start with the senior level person and work our way down and then bring in the people who are like working in the layers that they think they mm -hmm. understand, but don't understand right. and give them like the cold bucket of water on the head. So what, 
Is there a preferred way of doing this? Um, I, I would have because it would be too many people to have in a room at one time, and those and those executives can't sit still while design and development figure out how they work together. Right. What I would do is it was usually you wouldn't get a band of executives together. You would get some one on one time with an executive, okay. and you'd be able to bring your you know you'd be able to say let's get an understanding of what you see as the process, and if you had something already mocked up. They usually respond better with show them something and then they can agree and disagree with whatever you show them. Okay. And so it's always show them something versus having them think about it too much. You're like, I believe then they this start is making stuff up. Right. So okay. instead you will, you'll say, I've had some conversations with people and this is what it sounds like what you do. Would you agree or disagree with it? Would you change anything here? Oh yeah, I would change that and that and that. Okay. And then you would have, try to establish a few working sessions with a few of their peers and say, I spoke with your colleague. This is what they're, would you enhance their change? Anything like that? Oh yeah. So you're going to get a more complete picture. And hopefully you're talking to different people, not just people in the same position. The reason why is because you want different perspectives of it. Yeah. And if we can get an agreement of that, then, then we start to go from the top down. Why? Okay. If we started from the bottom up, the way you described, I remember back in the day when I was coaching, I had uh, a business analyst and I was talking about decomposing an epic to a feature, to a story, that type of thing. And planning, you know, the planning a, a sprint out and saying, this is, these are stories we're going to do. And he was absolutely convinced. He goes, what we need to do is before we do the sprint, we need to 100% decompose the epic down to all the features, to all the stories, to all the tasks before we start. I'm like, why is that? Because it goes, well, it's the only way yeah, he says, the only way I'll have certainty that we've covered all of it. Yeah. I go, I said, that's a very, very thorough way of thinking about it. But the problem with that is there's no way, there's no efficiency to be gained. What we're, what I was, what he should have been looking at is if you look at that feature and within that time frame, you can deliver some of the capabilities and you could get it to your customer. And they might go, hey, that's good enough. Well, guess what? We didn't have to do all this other work. But instead, okay. he had convinced everybody that, oh, we need to deliver 100% of everything in order to be done. And I was trying to say, it's like, we're done when the customer is satisfied. They don't yeah. need to have every, we believe we know what the customer is thinking. But the more we put it in the customer's hands and they give us feedback, the less work we actually have to do. Yeah. And so that's why I would go from the top and work my way down because okay. at the top is start with the layer in which you actually interface with that customer. And okay. then as you noted, step back from there. And I'm assuming you're constantly fighting the battle of aspirational versus actual. Say that again for me. Aspirational versus actual in that you're asking, how does this happen? And they tell you how they'd like it to happen or how they want right. it to be. And then somebody's going to be like, that's not what we do. Like, well, you should it, be doing it this way. You're doing it wrong. Right. We need the as-is state, not the to-be state. Okay. And so this is really just systems thinking then. Yeah. Okay. But but maybe a less imposing way into it or less uh, scary right. thing. People might it. become overwhelmed. When you say systems thinking, they're like, oh. And when you start talking about, you know, uh, trying to improve the system as the whole, and we're talking about lean manufacturing and things like that, people, their eyes will gloss over. Yeah. At the The... I describe value stream management. It's been around a long time, but it just seems recently it's the new bright, shiny toy and okay. more people are, are interested well, in it. 
Okay. So I want to ask you a question with this in the business space in general. As you're talking about this, you know, I'm thinking like, well, yeah, it's great if we understand this stuff about how to delight the customer and, you know, when do we bring them joy and things like that. But the process of having to reconcile what ha people have in their heads or what they assume is taking place with what's actually taking place mm -hmm. and identifying those broke down areas, that's part of the organization developing the ability to have self-awareness and to learn and to improve. And I know, I mean, you and I are both big fans of like personal combine and doing all that self-improvement stuff. This is that at, a, at an organizational level. Yes. Which, I mean, if you want to be able to drink somebody else's milkshake, you have to understand what you're doing in the first place. True. Okay. And, and to your point, having the clarity around the things you need to do, it then there are multiple lenses that you can look at this. You know, this is where the clarity of your process and the clarity of what people do interacting in that process. When you write it down, you'll have a couple of people look at one another, look around the room. They're like, is that what we really do? Because that's when the, then suddenly. Or is that no what you think we really do? Right. <laughs> but if you can write it down and you can get consensus of people, then you'll people will then say, there's this tribal knowledge and then there's documenting what's happening. And if you can get clarity around the process and the account and the pro process of the system itself, and then the people interacting within the process, then suddenly people will want to speak up. They're like, I didn't know this before. I didn't realize that, Oh, there was a shortcut I could have taken because it was this tribal yeah. knowledge. And in, instead of, you, you know, instead of, Oh, I'm just going to take all the shortcuts. You know, if you know what the standard practice is, the standard method of doing business is, and you follow that process, then we know how we can improve it. We don't want to rule by yeah. exception. That's the problem is often what we do is we want to expedite thing. And if that doesn't scale. Right. And, and so the values, the values. Or it scales mapping, the broken is what it does. Yes. You, yeah. Well, I had a, a colleague, she says, you can't scale crazy. <laughs> That's what she said. But people are trying all over the yes, place. Yes, absolutely. Cool. All right. So I really appreciate you doing this. If people want to reach out to you and find out more about this or have you come in and help them do it, uh -huh. what's the best way for them to track you down? Best way would be through LinkedIn or Twitter uh, at Derek Ether. I'm available on the Atlassian community site as well, where okay. you probably wouldn't reach out to me directly, but actually they could. They'll see me there. and It'll lead them back to Twitter and and okay, I'll and put links LinkedIn. to all your stuff for the people, all four of the people that are still on Twitter. They'll be able to <laughs> oh, find just the angry people. And Donald Over Trump. At, well, well <laughs> I got the Mastodon. I think it's called Mastodon. I've got a Mastodon yeah. account now. I have one too. I can't figure out what the hell to do with it. I don't either. I just third and scared this thing and wonder what's going right. to change. Cool. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Jobs to make that switch from old to new. Sunglasses.